Grow CFO is where finance leaders grow together. Join thousands of like-minded professionals using GrowCFO to access the combined knowledge and experience of the finance leader community. You can join us today at growcfo.net. Hello and welcome to the GrowCFO show. I'm your host, Kevin Appleby, and today I don't have a guest. But I thought it would be a great opportunity to talk about the role of the CFO in business change. The role of the CFO in business change is something we've been discussing quite a lot in Grow CFO recently. Um, in our Future of the Finance Function series that takes place every Tuesday lunchtime over Zoom, um, I've been running the last Tuesday of every month specifically to talk about business change and business change as it relates particularly to finance transformation. And we've had two of those sessions so far, and there are quite a number to come up in subsequent months. Within Grow CFO, we've also got the CFO competency framework. You can go into the competency framework and you can score yourself against each of nine competencies, one of which is all about business change. The CFO is the catalyst for business change, which in turn is broken down into five different areas. So if you take the competency framework, you can get a score in each of those five areas. And we've got some workshops that we're running once a quarter against those that particular competency area. And I run the first one two or three weeks ago, and I'm going to be running those in each quarter coming up. And that should run for quite a long time. The aim there isn't to repeat, but it's to build as we go along on, on themes. Now, I just thought it'd be worth to talk in this podcast about the, what business change is all about as far as the CFO is concerned. And really, it splits down into three key areas where business change is really important. And we're going to go on and talk about each of those three areas in turn. The first one is the transaction. After a merger or acquisition, or before a divestment. The second one is where you need a step change in performance. Where something needs to be different, there's an opportunity to increase profit, or you need to turn around a loss-making situation, and that involves substantial business change. The third area is the IT project, the systems project. You're putting in new business systems, it might be directly in finance, it might be in the, in the wider business. But in each of those three areas, both the transaction, the performance change, and the IT system, the CFO gets significantly involved. So let's go on and have a look at each of those in much more detail. Let's start with the, the transaction. The CFO will have a major, major involvement in a transaction. He'll be involved right from the beginning. He'll be involved looking at the company that might, might be bought, the company that might be merged with, there'll be projections and so on. There'll be assumptions in models that either he's built personally or members of his finance team have built around the transaction that are looking to say, what's the future going to look like? Why are we doing this deal? But there'll be loads of assumptions in whatever modeling is done. And a lot of those assumptions will be around the economies of scale that can be had out of the merger, about the synergies between the current business and the future business. And one of the things that the CFO's got to do is make sure that those assumptions that he'd got in all his modeling become reality afterwards. 
which means making change happen so that those assumptions become real. That merger or acquisition situation actually is something I've got a lot of first-hand experience in. Um, it seems to have been something that's featured all the way through my own career. Very first one, I was working in ICI Plastics as that business's European business accountant. And we were acquired by German firm BASF. Um, two thirds of my job disappeared on day one of that acquisition to Germany to head office of the new company. And I was left with a what actually was for a short period of time a very, very interesting job was to integrate our plastics business into BASF UK because at day one we lost all our ICI systems. We had no legacy sales system, we had no legacy costing systems, no legacy accounting systems and somehow we had to make everything work pretty quickly within BASF systems. So I got some huge experience in finding out what that was all about. Having become a bit of an expert in uh, post-acquisition integration and finding that as two-thirds of my job had disappeared to Germany, there wasn't a lot left to do in BASF and I moved and I joined Coopers & Lybrand. But almost straight away, Coopers & Lybrand merged with Pricewaterhouse to form PwC. So straight away, before I'd even really got time to learn anything very much about the Coopers & Lybrand culture, we were forming this new culture for PwC and in particular PwC Consulting. But that really wasn't the big change. Um, the big change came when PwC Consulting was itself sold. Um, at the time, the big five accounting firms were very definitely trying to get rid of their consulting arms because there's a conflict of interest with audit. And a lot of the consulting firms of the big four you see now aren't the consulting arms that existed 20 years ago. IBM acquired PwC Consulting and I found straight away there was a huge clash of culture. Found a, an awful lot about what it takes to integrate people into a new organisation and more in particular to get the people in the acquiring organisation to be open, accepting and friendly towards the new teams. Not long after that takeover by IBM, I moved again and joined a, an organisation called Hedra. It was a very small management consultancy and I was attracted to it because the guy that used to run PW Consulting in the UK before IBM's acquisition had gone off and had become its CEO. Which was great. We managed a business that grew very, very quickly. And eventually we were acquired by another organisation, Michelle. Now, I learned an awful lot through that acquisition about what you should do and what you shouldn't do when you acquire a business. One of the great things about Michelle was they just said to all the businesses they acquired, and they, they were an organisation that, that had grown substantially through acquisition, was, you're a great business, love what you do, keep on doing it. But they did that as far as the back office was concerned as well. And Michelle eventually got into a little bit of trouble around the uh, crash in 2010, the general election in 2010, when government stopped spending money, and Michelle's key client was government whichever division of the company it was you were working for, key client was government, and government stopped spending money. 
we needed to remove cost very quickly. And we found that actually every part of the business had its own back office. And there was substantial, substantial duplication that really should have been sorted out right back on day one of each of the organisations being acquired. And I think a very, very key lesson in acquisition there is that the CFO must drive back office integration, must build a single finance team, must make sure that HR build a single HR team, must make sure procurement build a single procurement team. Otherwise, it can lead to enormous inefficiency. So that's talking about acquisitions. Divestments. Now, divestment is a big area for change as well. Before you sell a bit of the business that you're, you're planning to, you need to properly decouple it from your own organisation. You can't have the bit of a business that you're selling sharing too much with the rest of the business, dependent on the rest of the business. Otherwise, things are going to go very, very wrong on the first day it moves out into its new ownership. So the CFO must be involved in that divestment, making sure appropriate restructuring has gone on, that business is properly decoupled from the, the business that's staying behind and everything's in place. The second area, probably even more important, the step, change in, in business, the step change in business performance. Now, as CFO, you're the guy who's looking at the business results in a lot of detail. You're the guy that's putting together the profit and loss. You're the guy who's looking at the cash flows. You should know what's what. You should be able to see where things are going wrong and you should be able to look for opportunities to reduce cost, increase profit, do things in a different way. And there's an important set of tools that you, as CFO, ought to make sure you've got, or that your team's got, in order to do that. Cost reduction, for example, isn't something that you can just do easily. There are ways of doing that properly. Most are based around zero-based budgeting techniques. And zero-based budgeting, in turn, is all about getting the whole business together in a particular way so that it recognises there's a change needed. It recognises that there are new objectives, new strategic objectives, and they can plan and budget around those in the right way. And you, CFO, should be very much pushing those things that are strategically important and making sure that people aren't pursuing things that are no longer vital to the organisation. That might include persuading people to close down their pet projects. And you can guarantee that in a, in a cost reduction or a zero-based budgeting exercise, there'll be lots of people coming to you and saying, oh, I can't stop doing this. Oh, look, I'm the exception to what you're trying to do. Look how important this is. And everybody will have an excuse. Your role as CFO in charge of that change is to be firmly in control of the budget and being the man who says no. Performance also is about really understanding what drives performance in the business. Profit and loss account doesn't tell you what drives performance. The profit and loss account is a historical record of where the business has been. It doesn't show you where it's going in the future. Nor does the P&L 
actually explain things particularly well. Our accounting systems traditionally have been put together to serve the shareholder, to serve the tax authorities and so on. And accounting standards have been developed so that when a shareholder, an investor looks at a set of accounts, when a taxman looks at a set of accounts, certain numbers are in certain places. Problem is 90% of the use of financial numbers shouldn't be outside the business, it should be inside the business with the management team. And some of those accounting conventions and so on actually aren't particularly useful. There are lots of areas where the profit and loss account doesn't really tell you what's going on. And actually what you need to know is for your products and services that your business delivers, what do they cost? How profitable are your customers? How profitable are your products? You can't simply allocate business support costs across products in arbitrary fashion. You need to make sure your team understand what really, really drives cost. What do your customer services people do? Which customers take the most effort? Which products cause the most problems? Where are the most complaints? Where are the most returned goods? All of those things are vital to knowing which products are profitable and which are not. And you tend to find that quite often some of the expensive products, some of the small volume expensive products that you think are high margin actually drive a disproportionate amount of cost and can very soon wipe out that apparently high margin. Where some of the low margin product that you produce in huge volume may well indeed be the most profitable part of the business. And some of the things can be quite counterintuitive as far as some of your sales colleagues in the C-suite are concerned. They'll always try to, to promote the high value, apparently high margin profit products against the, the low, bog standard, not very sexy stuff. And you really must understand what cost is behind those, whether they're priced properly, whether you ought to be walking away from certain areas of the business and so on. And that understanding of the economic engine of the business is absolutely vital. Third area is the systems project. Systems projects always produce huge amounts of change. They produce huge amounts of disruption. You, as the CFO, will be involved in finance function projects. There's a huge scope these days for finance transformation, big scope to modernise your systems, to automate things, to integrate systems across the business, and so on. And those are things that you need to do that are close to home. And you'll be judged on those, because if you can't get your own house in order, how can you work with the wider business area? But there's wider business change as well. Systems in other parts of the business will change regularly. And the thing is, there's always a cross-business impact. If you're changing the finance systems, well, chances are there's ch there, there may be impacts on procurement, there may be impacts on sales, there may be impact on manufacturing. If those, those areas are changing their systems, you can bet your life there's going to be an impact on finance. So your role as CFO is to be involved as part of a wider business team in any system change that's going on. 
And you've got to realise that change isn't just about systems. It's about people and process. Change the systems, keep the same processes, chances are you won't realise any of the benefits that you wanted. I've seen that happen on too many occasions, that the new system, the new fancy SAP ERP system, all it does is replicate the processes that were there before the change. And surprise, surprise, it doesn't save any money. It doesn't do anything faster. The month ends no quicker. So as you change systems, you've got to understand you've got to change processes too. But as you change a process, the impact is on people. And really change is absolutely all about people. And it's all about taking those people on a journey. In the two sessions that we've done in Future of Finance Function so far, we've really looked at the journey that people go on through a change process, how their feelings, their acceptance of change alters over time, your role as the manager to understand where your team are at and take them on through the journey. And also, we've looked at all of the things that tend to block people being ready for change. In the last Future of the Finance Function session, we talked a lot about complacency and complacency being the biggest blocker to moving the business forward. People have got to be ready to change. You've got to get them ready to change with a vision and then you've got to take them forward on that journey. It's also important that you make your people vital, particularly your finance people. Your finance people need to be business advisors, need to be business partners. If they're just functional finance folk, then they can be automated. In fact, anything functional ultimately can be automated. Business advice, vital business advice, can't. So you have a key role in business change to make sure that you're making your people as vital as you possibly can. There's a whole lot of theory about change management. Many books have been written, many processes, many methodologies. One that I quite like is by Cotter. And Cotter looks at eight parts of the change process. And it's actually that, that, that those eight areas that we're going through in the future of the finance function sessions every Tuesday lunchtime. We've already looked at the very first one, creating a sense of urgency. But we're going to go on and look at the other seven. We're going to talk in the next session about building a guiding coalition. How you, the CFO, can't just be the sole person leading the change. You've got to have a coalition across the top of, top of the business leading that change in order for it to succeed. Third element is the strategic vision. Now, a CFO, you've got to be a strategic visionary. And you've got to be able to take that vision and express it to your people and the wider business. As you're putting a change together, you need a volunteer army. Enlist a volunteer army is Cotter's fourth stage. And we're going to look in detail in that session about how you get those ready volunteers, those change champions in place, how you leverage the, the people in the organisation 
that other people listen to, that other people trust their opinions and how you use those folk in order to accelerate your change. Barriers get in the way of change. And one of your jobs as CFO is to get rid of some of the barriers to change. So number five in Cutter's series is enable action by removing barriers. Number six is generate short-term wins. And any change needs those short-term wins. You know? Fine, you can have the greatest vision in the world. You can have a great bunch of volunteers. But if those volunteers don't start seeing things working, then they lose enthusiasm very quickly. The best way to develop enthusiasm is get some change that really works in the first place. Get those short-term wins in place. And after that, you move on to stage seven, which is sustained progress. You've got some short-term wins under your belt. You've convinced people that change is possible. You now need to go for the bigger stuff. And you need to sustain the progress. But the final stage, of course, is embedding the change. Easiest thing in the world is to change something, but it feels uncomfortable. So people change back. People will automatically revert to what they used to do because it feels comfortable because it's the way it was always done. So the final part of the change process is, is learning how to embed the change. So, as I say, we've covered the first part of Cotter already, create a sense of urgency, and we're going to move on and cover the other seven in subsequent sessions. So we've looked today at three areas of change. We've looked at change around the business transaction, the merger, the acquisition, and the disposal. We've looked at change in achieving the step change in performance, looking for opportunities to make more profit, to reduce cost, maybe to turn a loss into a profit. And we've looked at systems implementation and all the challenges that brings with it. We've realized that it's all about people and taking on a journey. And you as CFO, you're a key member of the senior team and a major player in the whole process. You're the guy that's setting the vision. You're the guy that's leading by example. We talked about Cotter's book, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And if you want to know more, you know, any free member of Grow CFO can come along to the Zoom sessions every Tuesday in Future of the Finance Function. As I said, the last Tuesday of every month, we're going through this series on business change. There's some other great things coming up in the Future of Finance Function as well. In the very near future, we're going to be looking at the results of this year's finance function survey. We're going to be seeing what systems are being used around businesses. We're going to see the impact that, that the uh, lockdown and so on has had since last year's survey. We're going to start understanding an awful lot more about what's changed in the world of finance functions in the last 12 months. Now, you can go and get any of those previous sessions from Future of the Finance Function in the Grow CFO website if you're a member. Or these days you can go and get those on the Grow CFO app. We launched the, the brand new Grow CFO app in both the Apple Store and the Google Play Store just over a, a week ago. And that's free to download now. And if you're if you're a Grow CFO member, you can get all your content that way and you can watch the back episodes of Future of the Finance Function in the app. If you're a premium member of Grow CFO, you can take the competency framework that I mentioned. You can look at the score that you get across all nine areas 
of that competency framework, of which change is just one. Each of those nine areas breaks down into five further areas. So you find out about 45 different competencies that you might have. And inside the, the Grow CFO website, there are training materials on all 45 of those competencies. And you can dive in if you're a premium member into any of those. It's, it's, it's developing into a really first rate resource. And of course, behind the change competencies, we're running a quarterly change workshop. We put the first one together a couple of weeks ago, but every quarter from now onwards, there's going to be a further workshop. So, if you want to find out more and you haven't joined Grow CFO yet, go across to Grow CFO Net and join up. You can access the events calendar and you can see and book a place on all the events that I've mentioned. You can go to the, the App Store, Google or Apple, download the app. You can get your content. And if you really want to have a look at that competency framework, you can upload to Premium. You can, of course, take a 14-day trial of Premium. You don't have to pay for it straight away. You can do the competency framework and find out about it and look at the resources during that 14-day trial. If it's for you, carry on and pay the annual subscription. If it's not for you, fine. You can remain for life as a free member. So that's a canter through business change on today's podcast. There's much, much more that we can talk about, but uh, come and join me in some of the other sessions. Thank you. Thank you.